0: Welcome into the talk Tide podcast on the Pigskin Podcast Network. I'm Chase Goodred of NFL.com. I'm joined by Travis Ryer the longtime senior analyst at BamaOnline.com. The Talking Tide podcast available to you at any app you prefer to get your podcast. You can also get it on Megaphone. We've got a YouTube channel. We're going live on Facebook now. We are plugged in everywhere for you here on the Talking Tide podcast. You can also follow us on Twitter at Talking underscore Tide. Links to all the podcasts go straight there, so be sure to Click on that follow as well. want to thank our sponsors very quickly. Peter Brook, Chocolatier of Tuscaloosa, North River Dental Associates, and of course, DraftKings. We'll tell you a little bit more about them later in the program. First, though, Travis, we take a look at Alabama's upset loss in College Station to Texas A&M. The final score 41-38, to a wild game, one of those crazy back-and-forth games that almost had too many big plays to to talk about. Uh, We we could zero in on 10 different things, really, if we wanted to, Travis. It was was a wild one. At the end of the day, though, you got to tip your hat to Texas A&M. They outplayed Alabama, in my opinion. They outcoached Alabama. We'll talk about that a little bit later in the program. And they got the job done at home.
1: Yeah, it seemed like at every critical juncture in that game Saturday night, whenever Alabama looked like it might be ready to sort of do what Alabama seemingly always does, Texas A&M, to its credit, had an answer. And statistically, you look at the numbers, and it looks great for Alabama. But then you consider a couple of red zone field goals, a red zone turnover For the second straight week, this time it really bit Alabama in the buttocks. And look, mistakes here and there. Alabama still trying to clean up some things on the offensive side of the ball. Still a defense that commits too many penalties, especially on the back end. And, you know, even special teams had a critical mistake with the kickoff out of bounds there late in the fourth quarter. So team wins, team losses, I think this one goes in the category of a team loss. And that does include, by the way, I think something we're going to talk about, maybe even from a coaching perspective.
0: Yeah, no doubt about it. And I think the best example of that Texas A&M answer that you're talking about came when Alabama blocks a punt for a huge touchdown that kind of gets them in the back back in the game maybe quiets that crowd a little bit or would have quieted the crowd had A&M not turned around and taken the ensuing kickoff back 96 yards for a touchdown. So those two plays, two of the biggest plays in the game, just completely canceled each other out. And did, and on the and on the net, they did nothing for Alabama.
1: They didn't. And Devon A-Chain is a backup running back, supports Isaiah Spiller. And again, you look at numbers. Isaiah Spiller, 17 carries, 46 yards. Devon A-Chain, 7 carries, 34 yards. AM doesn't rush for over 100 yards in the game, but A-Chain with the 96-yard kickoff return. Spiller had some big plays in the passing game, including the wheel route there late in the fourth quarter where you got Christian Harris and Jalen Armour Davis tangled up in coverage. So, Again, numbers, statistics can be deceiving, especially when you're looking at them from the losing team's perspective. But absolutely, A&M just uh, – and, and it kind of started. We talk about answering and things. But – and we can go any which way you want to go with this, offense first, defense first. But uh, even on the opening drive for a Alabama did enough things not right on defense to help Zach Calzada – Gained some confidence. That's one thing you did not want to happen in this game if you were Alabama. You knew Spiller and Weidermeyer were going to be featured early. That's exactly the way it worked. And they were able to sort of ease out uh, Calzada into the game. He gained confidence and give the guy a lot of credit. Played a hell of a game. He did. He did. He jumped
0: on Alabama with two touchdown passes in the first quarter. So that's that was a punch in the mouth out of the gate that obviously Alabama is not used to. And then at the end of the game, uh, and he wasn't right either because he was—he he took a shot to the to the lower extremities, to the knee, to the to the shin, whatever it was, and he was hurting uh, at the end of the game for A and M, and yet he managed to put together uh, that game-winning field goal drive. Prior to that, Alabama had a three-and-out, so even at the end there, Alabama goes three-and-out with a chance to move the ball and kick a field goal of its own. They can't get a first down. They kick it to AM who who's got a, a gimpy quarterback, a confident one, as you said, uh, but a gimpy
1: one nonetheless, and he
0: gutted it out. I mean, nothing but respect for what Zach Calzada
1: did. Absolutely. And, look, I give a lot of credit to the Texas AM offensive line. That's a group we talked about it last week. Two true freshman starters, one at center, one at right tackle. It seemed like no matter what type of pressures Alabama tried to bring, they were not successful. Whether it was three man rush, four man rush, bringing the extra guy with the blitz, now look, A didn't run it for a ton of yards like we talked about earlier. But when you combine receiving yards and the kickoff return for a chain, they got plenty of production out of their backs in the in the game Saturday night. No doubt, no doubt. I, I thought it was a. Uh primarily a,
0: a def- defensive issues were key for Alabama. Definitely. There were some offensive concerns we'll get into as well. Uh, but the defense, the tackling, there were a lot of problems there for Alabama, plenty for Nick Saban to fix and some things for Nick Saban to, to look in the mirror about as well. Travis, and I, me personally, I, I saw three things in this game that were head scratchers for me from the Alabama coaching staff. One, sitting on three timeouts at the end of the first half, when you've got a chance to maybe force a punt and, and get three points out, out of it at the end there, maybe even seven, who knows. Uh, but uh, Jimbo Fisher had no interest in driving the nope. field there with that last drive. He was more than happy to take it to the locker room. Nick Saban let him do it. So and that, you know it,
1: why? You know why he was happy doing that? Because he's a Nick Saban guy.
0: Yeah. Yeah. What yep. does
1: Nick Saban do in that situation?
0: That's right.
1: Who did yep. Who did Who did Jimbo Fisher learn at the uh, at the feet of?
0: got Jimbo of Nick, right
1: there. Didn't don't he? look a gift horse in the mouth. <laughs> when you're up fourteen so. and you're inside your own ten with a minute thirteen or so left, you take it to the half, just yep. like Nick always does. So, absolutely. Jimbo had no interest. Well, you know, the way you were playing defense, you didn't want to take it. Bull. Yeah. Jimbo yeah. was, you know, there was no one happier than Jimbo Fisher when he realized that Nick Saban wasn't going to burn those timeouts there. He looked with it. his team backed up inside his own 10 and a minute plus left to go. You and, certainly could have keyed you, you run first said, down and what? second down. Yeah. Well, it was, I think, I think AM picked up four on first down. So you still got to burn one there on second right. six. And the the, the explanation from Saban, uh to CBS going into the half, um, he seemed almost surprised to get the question, which surprised me. I, I would think you'd almost have to expect it if you really are right. kind of in the moment about the situation. Uh, he seemed almost caught off guard by it. Uh, it was absolutely the question on the minds of everybody watching that football game Saturday night at that point. Um, And, you know, I had some people tell me, well, you know, Nick always, always lets those timeouts, you know, takes those timeouts. Okay. Well, is he always down 14 in the second quarter with the team backed up inside its own 10? How many always are we talking about in that particular situation? Yeah, I thought his halftime explanation
0: was was kind of convoluted. I mean, he, he, he seemed a little out of sorts to me, frankly. Yeah. I didn't even quite understand what he was trying to say. But yeah. uh, but he's also used to a lot of softball how-do-you-feel kind of questions at halftime, too. That might have been why he, he was a little taken he off guard. He thought
1: after Maria Taylor at the half or before kickoff of that Louisville game in Orlando, Back in 2018, I think he thought he had scared off maybe right. some poignant <laughs> questions from the sideline reporters, but uh, no. CBS Jamie Airdall coming, we brought it. it. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Uh, the
0: other thing I, I think a lot of Alabama fans were questioning was you got a first and goal from the four yard line in the second half. You throw it, you throw it, you throw it again. Hindsight's twenty twenty. I get that. If one of those passes scores, nobody says a word. Right. I get. I get that too. However, Brian Robinson was wearing that Texas A and M defense out at that time, and I, I honestly, I don't know how you don't score if you run Brian Robinson between Evan Neal and Kendall Randolph off that left side. I don't know how you're not getting in. At least with, with if not on the first shot, go unbalanced. Two how many shots times have we
1: seen Alabama go unbalanced? Yeah, and bring in a guy like Robbie Oates at fullback. On right. top of that, they did it at Florida, and walked in with Brian Robinson on a fourth and a half foot play from about the three, as you'll recall. So, no, wasn't crazy about it. I knew. I thought of you when they were going shotgun. you know on some of those from the one so I I had a good bread moment on those but you know go under center go unbalanced go really heavy if you can't get a yard on first down then play action it on second down release a couple of tight ends the other way and should be easy money if they're loading up that much on the goal line on you and you can't get a yard but Yeah, I'm with you because, and I wrote this on Bama Online after the game, as that game wore on Saturday night, more and more, when you consider what he did against Ole Miss, too, you got the sense that Brian Robinson in that moment was Alabama's best offensive player. Mm -hmm. And so I understand earlier in the game they got down there, gave him a couple of shots, didn't get in. Bryce gets picked off in the end zone by Damani Richardson. Big moment in the game, but to go three straight snaps on the situation you're talking about, you know it's a one-score game ultimately, and you start talking about two red-zone field goals where you had it point-blank, not mm-hmm. at the 18, and you you, you 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 had to kick field goals, but inside the three, and you can't get in, and then the red zone, the goal line turnover, the inside the five turnover. I mean that's. We can talk about a lot of sequences, like you said, from the outset, but you can really go to those three scenarios right there where you got, what, six points on three trips inside the three?
0: Yeah, they they needed seven in a couple of those spots. There's no doubt about it. They weren't able to punch it in. Big factor there as well. The third thing, I think, that I thought was – uh, a, a coaching issue is. I thought Alabama was l- really late adjusting to A and M's blitz. Right by the time Alabama had kind of solved the blitz, it had already done so much damage mm-hmm. that, that they were they were in too much of a jam. I mean, it, it, you almost got the feeling that that, that they were going to. And I know Alabama doesn't do this procedurally on the sideline when when they're coaching coaching players up, but you almost got the sense that they were just going to fix it at halftime you better fix it now um, uh, and it just drive that or after you got to
1: change your approach like yeah. if if you can't if you can't adjust to pressures 5 6 man pressures you can't go empty ever yeah. you can't go empty backfield it got to the point where and i understand a, a number of times alabama would motion Brian robinson back into the backfield okay but there were times where they went straight empty and i'm thinking you know A and M brings five here Bryce better have an understanding of his hot situation and because that the hot ball better the be ball white better hot come out quick yeah and and they would do this and the ball wouldn't come out quick right and so you know we can talk about Chris Owens his struggles at right tackle and he certainly had him against a six-year senior especially in Michael Clemens but I'm with you just in terms of their approach uh, you were left to scratch your head a few times. And again, look, this isn't to throw Bill O'Brien under the bus because maybe there were things in place that just did not get executed. Um, maybe there were mistakes made by players. We don't, we're don't, we not privileged to that. But uh, again, there were some formations after a while and some things that they were looking to do. You were like, make a concerted effort like you did on the opening possession, to get the ball to the flats right. quick. Run off some of this coverage. They had some success with that early. Kind of went away from that. And the pressure was just a real problem. And meanwhile, again, Alabama's pressure, not a problem for AM. They did a hell of a job picking it up.
0: They did. They did. Will Anderson relatively quiet for Alabama, for sure. But yeah, as you said, it, if you're running empty backfield, and you're taking on blitzes your hot route better not even really even be oh. a route guy better be open w- without a route
1: you know right what now, i mean right now and, and, they, and they, see, they that's it, that's where their rpo game with tua and even a little bit with mac they weren't as much rpo i don't think with mac they would devastate you if you tried to bring that stuff mm-hmm. but i don't think they're as good in the rpo game right now and that's not all on the quarterback some of that has to do with newness at wide receiver. And there's still a continuity that's needing to take place between a new coordinator, a new quarterback, even Jamison Williams, as great as he's been, you know, I'm sure there are some things they're still working through with him. Um, but it, it, it's tough. Uh, you know, I and even when they were one back with no tight end I, or, or had the tight end flexed, I'm like, you better get a tight end. Somebody, you better get some guys tight in these mm-hmm. formations, because uh, safeties, linebackers, uh, they were just raiding the A-gaps, and really any gap they wanted. They were
0: coming in the A-gaps, they were hitting the B-gaps, and and what would happen, mm-hmm. with, uh, so, sometime, and I think they were trying to get Alabama's offensive line to collapse a little bit, and sometimes they'd fake that inside blitz, and the offensive line would collapse, and
1: now here comes the guy off the edge. Yeah, yeah, and, you know, they had – is it was like me on some new year's eves in a previous life, you know, you start losing it out of both ends, so to speak. <laughs> and then you're in real trouble, right? Yeah. You can't you you just want one end of it to stop. But yeah. there were times where you're right. The edge rush was still a problem even when they didn't blitz. Uh but for at least a solid half, as you said, they they really didn't have any answers for it. No, they did not.
0: Uh, plenty to fix. What if if you're Nick Saban, Travis? What's the first thing you try to get squared away in practice this week?
1: <laughs> well, you know what he's going to talk about. He's he's going to talk about what he talked about after the game Saturday night. Um, do not let a fa- failure go to waste. I right. think we're going to hear that during his Monday presser. I, I have a little doubt about that, and so. And he can honestly sell to this team. I think it's as much about psyche right now mm-hmm. um, and, and and just their approach in general from a, a mindset perspective. Everything's still in front of them. I mean, they fell to like fifth in the polls, I guess, on Sunday. So you know, they still take care of business. The, the silver lining in all this is that A&M – has already blown its own foot off pretty much with losses (laughs) to Mississippi State and Arkansas. Where this would have really hurt would have been if this had been Ole Miss last week, Um, you know, or another Western Division team that that doesn't have a loss or two by the Mm -hmm. time Alabama sees them. But, you know, I, I think he'll have their attention for sure because he can go to Mississippi State and say, look, these guys the previous week went in and did something you couldn't do. They won yeah. at Kyle Field, and yeah. so that will help him in relation to the forty-one to nothing game in Tuscaloosa last season, where Alabama just absolutely dominated State and it never really was a game. So that's where it, you know that you know Chase. That's that's where it's going to start more than anything else. Big night for Jamison Williams. Can't go unmentioned
0: before we move on. Travis, uh, uh, over 100 yards once again, he catches the deep ball late that really put it Alabama in, in a great position to win the game. Uh, you talk about a guy who's who's been a little – Savior's too strong a word because there's too much talent on, on that offense for that word, but you, you talk about a guy who's come in and kind of asserted himself in a major way. He, he's really done
1: it. 13 targets. Saturday night, he catches 10 balls for the 146 in a couple of touchdowns. You're right. Um, You know what he's brought to them, what they needed so much and give Nick Saban and that staff a lot of credit. They came out of spring practice and probably even before the end of spring practice understood we've got to get a dynamic dude in here to go along with John Mechie and these tight ends. And he's been everything they could have hoped for from that perspective. I still like John Mechie a lot. I know his numbers in terms of yards per catch and touchdowns aren't what a lot of people anticipated from him this season, but he is sort of the holdover from the previous group that plays with a physicality that they don't have enough of right now. Their perimeter blocking, as you know, it's not where it was in previous years, and that was with first-rounders blocking for one another. Um, but Mechie still gives him some of that. I thought he had a couple of plays Saturday night where, you know, he, he really sold it out, you know, trying to make a few extra yards, whatever he could do. Um, you know, but drops were a problem for them, uh, really other than Jamison Williams. I mean, how many times was Jaleel Billingsley targeted in the game and he doesn't have a catch Yeah, and he had the big drop there late on that last drive on the three and out. Big drop. Yeah. Throw just a little bit low, but that one was catch on Billingsley. Yeah. yeah. I mean, catch, catch the ball. The you're not in traffic. You know. Mechie had one or two, I think, that were, you know, probably balls he should have come up with, but at least there was some traffic there. Right. For Billingsley on the He's last He's all by one. himself. And just catch the ball. Yeah. Yeah. Talking Tide Podcast on the Pigskin
0: Podcast Network. Moving on, I'm going to thank our sponsors now. We're going to start by telling you about North River Dental Associates and Dr. Jack Smalley and that great staff of dental hygienists over there, right off of Watermelon Road. All your family's dental needs, they will take care of them. Easily located at 1100 Fairfax Park. Whether you need cosmetic dentistry, laser dentistry, endodontics, dentures, the always popular teeth whitening services, they're also doing Botox and Juvederm services over there. Now, if you want to get those facial features tightened up a little bit, the place to go is North River Dental Associates. You could call them at 752-3506 for an appointment. They're going to get you in and out of the chair in less than an hour on a typical routine cleaning. They'll get you in and out of two chairs, the waiting room chair and the dentist chair in less than an hour. On a routine cleaning. They're great with that. Online, it's northriverdentist.com. So give them a call or schedule an appointment on the website. It's North
1: River Dental Associates. I'm going to tell you about Peterbrook Chocolatier in the Indian Hills section of Tuscaloosa as well. We are on approach to Halloween. And for the finest in your treats for October the 31st, it is Peterbrook Chocolatier, 1530. McFarland Boulevard North in the Indian Hills section of Tuscaloosa. You got those holiday gifts you're starting to ponder as well. Well, they can take great care of you in that regard as well. 205 752 0211, Peterbrook Chocolatier, the champions of chocolate. Finally, want to tell
0: you about our corporate sponsor, and that Check that. (laughs) Hit it. Jackson. The official sports betting partner uh, with the NFL. It is the DraftKings Sportsbook. New customers can bet just $1 on any NFL game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a point. The last 0-0 tie in the NFL was 1943, 70-some years ago. It's a no-brainer. Go to that DraftKings Sportsbook app. Jump on there, place a $1 bet, and you'll get $100 in free bets if either team scores a point. Use the promo code TPPN if you're watching on YouTube. There you see it right there, the Pigskin Podcast Network acronym. Throw down a dollar on any NFL game, get $100 in free bets. That's promo code TPPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the NFL. And moving on here on the talking tide podcast, Travis. We'll look around the southeastern conference this past week a little bit and some interesting action for sure. I guess we'll start with Georgia, kind of dominating things against Auburn 34 to 10, the final score there. The dogs roll, the dogs, at least at this moment now, looking like the best team in the conference. Uh, your thoughts on how I, I was able to catch about a half of that game, uh, and and I kind of peeled away and uh, went elsewhere on the dial when when it was clear that, that Auburn weren't going to be able to pull it back together.
1: Yeah, we talked about this. If you knew going into the game that Bo Nix was going to have to throw it upwards of 40 times on Saturday, it probably wasn't going to mean good things for Auburn. Auburn, as expected, struggled to run the football tank. Bigsby not much of a factor against that Georgia defense that continues to just dominate. And sort of that methodical approach, you know, I've talked about Kirby smart Georgia more along the lines of 2008 Alabama. And there's still a lot of that with this team. Stetson Bennett, efficient, hit a couple of big plays against man coverage in the passing game, did some good things with his legs. Something he brings to that offense that JT Daniels does not – But Auburn, if it was going to have a chance, had to be able to run the football for, you know, 125, 150 plus somewhere in that neighborhood. Keep it all off of Bo Nix. And uh, it was just a typical Georgia performance uh, in in relation to what we've seen. But before Saturday, they know who they are. Uh, They they do not suffer from an identity crisis in any form or fashion. They're going to dominate both lines of scrimmage. Had a big injury at left tackle. Seemed to overcome that just fine during the course of the game. And you said it. I don't think there's any doubt right now. You can look at any other team in college football as the top team in the sport. Right now, anyway, I wonder a little bit about Georgia's ceiling based on the passing game and the quarterback play. But right now, it's Georgia. They they don't need to be getting dragged into shootouts, no. right?
0: That That's going to be the Achilles heel for Georgia if if, if they stumble once or twice. Uh, but it's interesting with qu- at quarterback, because last year, Stetson Bennett was the guy. He loses the job. JT Daniels comes in at the end of last year. looks really darn good. And Georgia fans are kind of wondering, where's JT Daniels been all year? And mm-hmm. then this year, it's kind of flipped around, I guess, with the way Stetson Bennett has stepped in for Daniels. Um, quarterback on the other side. Yeah. Bo is, Bo is not the answer. We've talked a little bit about Bo before at Auburn. I think one of Bo's problems is, is he doesn't take anything off the ball sometimes when he yeah. needs to, he'll, he'll throw to the flats, to the backs and like middle screens. He'll throw those with like slant mustard on mm-hmm. it, you know? And, uh, 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 Freddie Kitchens used to do that <laughs> for mm-hmm. Alabama, you know, so sometimes those backs need a little something taken off of it. You know, I just, sometimes I think, I think Bo needs to uh, recognize when, when touch is needed maybe a little bit more, but he's. Yeah. He yeah I, think, the answer.
1: I, I think their, their, their help out outside isn't, you know, good enough right now, either in fairness to Nick's, he did make a couple of throws I thought in the game that were, were really good throws that his receivers just could not come up with the football. So, yeah, Georgia just continues to roll. And uh, I know we'll talk about this later in the week, but who would have thunk it? Basically, the SEC Eastern Division Championship game coming up this week with your UK Wildcats and the Georgia Bulldogs. Kentucky
0: 42, LSU 21. (laughs) I didn't see it coming,
1: but I should have seen it coming. Yeah, We yeah. all should have seen it coming, right? I picked LSU because it would have been the most LSU thing ever. After right. you know, what we saw the previous week, uh, the, the collapse against Auburn late. And it just would have made total LSU sense for O to go into Lexington and get a win. But, man, I'll tell you right now, Kentucky's not having any of that. They took control of that game, that defense, that run game. You know, stylistically, I don't know if it's a problem for Kentucky or if it's a good thing for Kentucky with this Georgia game coming up. Uh, Part of me wonders that it might be a similar fate as what we saw with Arkansas trying to play that kind of game too Mm -hmm. uh, a couple weeks ago in Athens, but that's another team. You talk about identity. Mark Stoops' team knows exactly who it is, and it starts with Christian Rodriguez and that run game and – Uh, Will Levis, a quarterback, had an excellent game against LSU Saturday night. The track meet this week in the SEC, Ole Miss and Arkansas. That
0: final score, 52-51. to So Lane Kiffin uh, avenges that loss to Arkansas from a season ago. Uh, A tough loss for Sam Pittman's team. Hot start for Sam Pittman this season. He's caught a couple of losses now. uh, but That's a big win for Kiffin and, and certainly probably an even bigger win for Matt Corral.
1: Sam, uh, with the uh, Cajonas Award for the week, going for two there yeah, uh, to try to win the game late uh, after the, the, the touchdown at the very end of regulation to cut it to a one-point old Miss lead. 68 combined points in the second half in Oxford. That'll wake you up on a Saturday, yeah. one of those noon Eastern games. But a lot of fun. Both quarterbacks played damn good football. K.J. Jefferson for Arkansas was great. Matt Corral for Ole Miss was great. Just maybe we should have known right then between that game and Oklahoma, Texas, that we were going to have at least one more of those kind of games before, uh, before the clock struck 12 Eastern time. Oh, you Texas, man. Another one that was crazy. wild. It was a
0: crazy, crazy Saturday. Yeah, it was. Absolutely. Yeah. A, lot of, a lot of zany football. Going to do it for this edition of the Talking Tide podcast. Be sure to join us midweek on Wednesday night. Travis and I will be here again breaking down Alabama's upcoming road game against the Mississippi State Bulldogs for Travis Ryer, ObamaOnline.com. I'm Chase Goodred of NFL.com and Crimson Cover Television. We'll talk to you midweek right here on Talking Tide.